Okay, our scripture reading comes from the gospel lesson of Mark, chapter 1, verses 21 to 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them with, as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in the synagogue, who was possessed by an evil spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching? And with authority. He even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. God's grace, mercy, and peace be with all of us today as we again see clearly Jesus as our Savior and especially his power and his authority. One Thursday back in the early 1980s where we lived in Lafayette, Indiana, word got out that President Ronald Reagan was going to visit the Purdue University Airport and maybe make a few comments. Well, it was estimated that maybe a couple hundred people would show up well, word spread around town, and that day tens of thousands of people descended upon the Purdue airport to hear and listen to President Ronald Reagan, who, of course, was very popular, and his gentle humor and, and nature won over so many people as he stepped off the plane with Nancy, his wife, and addressed the crowd. A lot of people didn't want to miss that event. Well, today we turn to another event in the Gospel of Mark. You know, the evangelist Mark wrote his Gospel so that people would not miss Jesus and seeing Him, and that we would have a clearer vision then of who He is and what He's done. The first verse says, the beginning of the Gospel about Jesus Christ. And the word Gospel again means good news or good story. And here in chapter 1 of Mark's Gospel, we have a good story about when Jesus shows up. He's just a stopover. Well, it wasn't just a stopover because he ended up in the synagogue at Capernaum. Verse 21 says that they, that's Jesus and his disciples, went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. And so Jesus had this stopover at church. When I read this, it made me wonder, what would it be like if Jesus had a stopover at our church? What if he came to our worship? We all have our stereotypical uh, opinions of what that might look like. Some, I think, would have an awesome peace as they beheld Jesus, the one that they've worshipped for their whole life. But other people might have a sense of fear and trembling being in the presence of God and this sense of guilt that they had not taken him seriously. And then there are those, I think, who would be calmed by Christ's presence with a feeling of tenderness and compassion and grace that, that emanates from Jesus Christ. At any rate, you wouldn't want to miss him. Well, the day that Jesus shows up in the synagogue was way different from what folks might have expected. Now, how do we know that it was different? Well, from people's reaction to Jesus. In fact, twice here in our text in Mark, we read that people were absolutely amazed or astonished by Jesus. 
And what caused this amazement? They were amazed by his authority. And the key word here is authority. Mark uses the word authority in his gospel ten times, and it can have several different shades of meaning. But here the word authority means to have power or influence into someone's thinking or action. There are two things about which the people there in the synagogue were astonished concerning Jesus. First was the authority of his teaching, and secondly was the authority of his actions. Verse 22 says, The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. As Jesus here attends the synagogue in Capernaum, we know that that kind of became a hub of our Lord's teaching in Galilee. The temple in Jerusalem, that's the only temple they had, was a place of worship and sacrifice, but the synagogue was a place of teaching and instruction. And we are told in, uh, in Jewish tradition that wherever ten families of Jews uh, were gathered together, there a synagogue would need to be established. And so the synagogue was very influential. It's the logical place for Jesus to begin his ministry here in chapter 1 of Mark, right after he calls his disciples. So Jesus begins to teach. Now, Mark doesn't tell us what he taught. We only see the response of those who were there listening to his teaching. It says again that they were amazed. Now, why were his teachings so different? It was because every, everyone else's teachings were derivative. They got their teaching from someone else. The scribes and the Pharisees were in bondage to quotation marks. They loved to quote, Rabbi Hillel says, or on the other hand, Gamaliel says, and then there's Rabbi Eliezer's testimony. And we could go on and on and on. The religious teaching was secondhand theology, often composed of legalistic distinctions that, that place burden upon burden upon the people, rule after rule. And I don't know about you, when you hear a list of have-tos, doesn't that just kind of sap the joy right out of your life? But Jesus was different. He spoke as if he needed no other authority besides himself. Because Jesus is the authority. He spoke with the finality and the, and the voice of God because he was and is true God. His message was about God who cared and valued every single person created by the Lord. And so it was a message of freedom, that, that you can have a relationship with God by faith. And that's why the people were just so amazed. The Lord says regarding the, the coming of Messiah, way back in our Old Testament lesson for today, Deuteronomy 18, it says, I will put my words into his mouth. And that scripture is fulfilled way back from Deuteronomy in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. We know that elsewhere in the Gospels that Jesus' teaching with authority often shocked people, and especially the religious folks. The authority of his teaching called for a response, and not just for you to try to earn your way to heaven by following a lot of do's and don'ts, but the response to trust the one who called us to repent of our sins and then come to him for rest and peace and mercy. Authority. You know, is it my imagination or not that there's a general mistrust of authority in our society today? You hear things like, 
no one's going to tell me what to do. I can do what I want. That's just what you think. And so individual liberties and attitudes and opinions, even at the expense sometimes of the well-being of others, seems to be a high value for so many people today. And that's why today there are those who treat Jesus and his authority in the same way. I don't need Jesus. I don't need someone telling me how to live or how to think. I don't need to trust anyone but myself. There are a lot of people who won't listen to Jesus and his authority or his way of love, only to find out for themselves that by making themselves the Lord of their lives, by themselves calling the shots for their life, it often doesn't end well. The result is often further headache and heartache. Well, there was something else that happened when Jesus came to church, synagogue that day. Not only were the people amazed by the authority of Christ's teaching, but they were also amazed at the authority of our Lord's actions. We are told in our text that as Jesus was teaching, suddenly a man with an unclean spirit, it's another word for a demon, caused a disturbance, a ruckus out in the congregation. Now, can you imagine if something like that happened in one of our service? I think it would freak most of us out. The demon-possessed man was so totally controlled that he couldn't stand to listen to the authority of Christ's teaching. Here the man was in the synagogue, the place of spiritual learning and faith activities, yet his religious and cultural ties to Judaism would do him no good. He was absolutely helpless. And we are told that suddenly the demon speaks through the voice of that man and says, let us alone. What do you want from us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, in studying this text, several biblical scholars say that the Greek phrase here is not a question, have you come to destroy us? Rather, it's an accusation, more like, you've come to destroy us. It's interesting, though, that while the congregation, the people in the synagogue, <laughs> did not understand who Jesus was, that there was no doubt that the very power of darkness knew the identity of Jesus. And the evil spirit identifies Jesus. He calls him the Holy One of God. This is a title that's used elsewhere in the New Testament to refer to Christ's divine origin, that he is the very only begotten Son of God. Here again, the writer Mark is helping us to see more clearly that Jesus is indeed God's very own Son, God Himself, who had come to save the world. Let's go back to that demon possession. You know, demon possession was not unknown in the ancient world. There were many exorcists who claimed to be able to cast out demons. The ordinary Jewish and pagan exorcists, they used these elaborate incantations and spells and magical rites. Now, whether any of these worked is debatable. And yet these so-called exorcisms would often go on for days, even weeks at a time. Not so with Jesus. With one command of clear, simple, and powerful authority, Jesus, in the Greek, five words literally says, be muzzled, or it literally says, shut your mouth, <laughs> and come out of him, Jesus said. Jesus was not going to let 
the very first confession of our Lord's identity be from Satan as the Son of God. And so he muzzles him. And instantly we are told that the power of darkness in this man comes out of him in this horrible demonic shaking and loud convulsive scream. Whoa. And just like that snap, (laughs) the man is perfectly whole. He's free of that demon. Now, as you can imagine, no one had ever seen anything like that. What power? What authority? And the power was not in a spell or a formula or an incantation or an elaborate rite. The power was Jesus himself, the Son of God. And again, it says in verse 27, the people were utterly amazed. And they debated among themselves, what in the world is this? A new teaching and with authority. And he even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. Well, that day our Lord's disciples saw something there at the synagogue that they never forgot. They experienced the power of God himself. And the power of darkness was thwarted in the synagogue. It's really a prefiguring of what would happen at a later time when the powers of darkness put that very same Son of God on a cross. And thinking that Jesus was defeated for good, Jesus Christ, the one with all power and authority, he rose up from the dead after three days, winning the victory over Satan and sin and even death for all those who would then put their trust in him. The result, well, while the demons uh, were, were quieted, the people could do no, no such thing. In fact, Mark records in verse 28 that news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. These remarkable events were, were amazing. But how about for you? Are you still amazed at Christ's authority in this world and even more so in your life? You know, we still face the powers of darkness in our world. I don't have to tell you. All you have to do is look around. And you see the effects of of Satan's rampage in our world, of sin and death and COVID and division and discouragement and disillusionment. Friend, it's dark. That's why the Apostle Paul under the Holy Spirit tells us plainly, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the forces of this darkness, against the spiritual wickedness in the heavenly realms. And yet Jesus defeated the devil on that cross by his resurrection so that we know that the outcome over darkness And Satan and sin is certain. Jesus wins, and we win. And although the the final destruction of the powers of darkness awaits the final judgment, we are comforted. Remember the words of John in his first epistle? He says, greater is he that is in you, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, than he who is in the world. Through your baptismal faith, you know that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And you are loved and you are forgiven. And there's no darkness that can pull you down because you have been crucified with Christ and you have risen with him. That's the amazing truth. Not only that, but by God's grace, 
we are able to put on the full armor of God to ward off the powers of darkness. We are led in our lives not by the latest national opinions or the national news or the latest national discouragements. And we certainly don't live by fear. Rather, we are directed by the one who won the victory over us, by his word. And he empowers us by that word and by his sacrament to assure us that, that it is no longer you who are living, but Christ who lives in you and through you. And just as Jesus defeated the evil spirit of that man in the temple, so the Lord Jesus can help you through any kind of darkness or discouragement that you are facing right now. The Lord, by his victory, is there for you. I enjoyed uh, reading about a, a, a natural gas meter reader, say that real fast, in Oklahoma. And in that area of the country, meter readers have to personally read all of the meters. There's no estimates involved. So locked gates, tall fences, snapping dogs can present some major challenges. Well, one day, this meter reader succeeded in getting past a particularly vicious watchdog. The dog was chained to a post right next to the driveway, and the chain was long enough to extend right to where he needed to read the gas meter. Later, the man was questioned by his superior. So, how were you able to get past that watchdog? The customer called, and he's curious about how you did that. The meter reader replied, oh, he says, that was easy, boss. I got him to come over by my truck, and then I parked right on his chain. <laughs> you see, when Jesus shows up, people are amazed. They were amazed there in the synagogue. They're amazed at his authority and his teaching, but also the authority of his actions. And my friend, Jesus still shows up. He shows up for you as we trust in him. As the one who defeated Satan and sin by his victory on the cross, Satan's chain, so to speak, has been parked upon. And the powers of darkness cannot and will not defeat you. As Christ shows up for you in your life today, you are free to live with joy and confidence as you put your faith in him. For the one who has authority will continue to amaze all of us by his grace, today and even forevermore. Amen.